not only have we heard some incredible preaching from men and women who are so instrumental across our apostolic fellowship, but we've been able also to highlight a few of our own very own students. Um, Wednesday night, we heard from Brother Blake Dykes, UC uh, student. Last night, Sister Anna Blum, UC student. And tonight, we're honored to have a representative from the UGST student body. Uh, he's from the Midwest recently here in the St. Louis area, attends uh, the sanctuary right here, but has also decided to join a church plant that's happening about 25 miles from here. You can ask me about that later, but he's an integral part of that team. Amen. So we're very excited to have Brother Andrew Fritchley to come deliver the word of the Lord tonight to us. Brother Andrew, come. Preach to us. We're going to get behind you and worship the Lord with you. everybody. It's so great to be in the house of God tonight, and I like what I feel. Turn with me to Luke chapter 7, uh, verse 36, and I want to honor um, Brother Jones, Brother McClintock, everyone who allowed me to speak tonight, and I, I like what I feel in the presence of the Lord. I also want to honor all of the speakers that have taken time out of their busy schedules to come and minister to us and to impart things into our lives. I also want to thank my dad for his impact on my life and He's here tonight to support me. You can be seated. Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 36, we find that Jesus is attending a meal in the house of one of the Pharisees. This religious leader, Simon, is trying to figure out who Jesus is, what he is about, what he's doing in Israel, and if he is, in fact, a prophet, as so many had said. The news of this meal spreads, and an unnamed woman comes to the house and barges in uninvited. According to Simon, she is lowly, a sinner, unworthy, an outsider. There is no value or place for her at the table. She is weeping uncontrollably in awe of the Savior, and this unsightly encounter with Jesus means the world to her. In stark contrast, Simon is comfortable and relaxed. He's in the presence of the Messiah, but it's unbeknownst to him. And as this is unfolding, she begins to minister to Jesus, washing his feet, and then anointing them with precious ointment, a pure form of worship and sacrifice that Jesus later said that this story would be told everywhere that the gospel would be preached. Simon observes this strange sight, and he has decided that he's seen enough, that he can determine the legitimacy of Jesus' earthly ministry. And in verse 39, he thinks this to himself. This man, Jesus, if he were a prophet, he would know who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him. She's a sinner. He assumes that no prophet would let such a sinner lay hands on them. And he also believed that his good works, his ministry, his prestige and competence gave him license to judge the sins of others around him. All while ignoring his personal debt of sin that he, by no coincidence, had no hope of repaying. But like happened so often, Jesus flipped the script and he begins to tell Simon a parable in Luke 741, it says a creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. 
since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love the master most, he asked Simon. And Simon answered, I suppose the one that he forgave more. At this point, Simon had no idea where Jesus was going with this. Nor did he realize his involvement in this story. In verse 44, Jesus turns to Simon and says, do you see this woman? I entered your house, but you gave me no water to wash my feet. But she, with her tears, hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. Or has, excuse me, hasn't, uh, she, with her tears, has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she has not stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Simon was so consumed with testing Jesus that he missed an opportunity to worship the guarantor of his debt. There was no warm welcome, only a cold, inhospitable meal that day. But the woman, in contrast to Simon, she knew who Jesus really was. And she knew what his purpose on this earth was. Luke 19 and 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. She was aware of how truly lost she was without Jesus. She knew how much that he had forgiven her, a debt that she could never have hoped to repay. And this awareness of her sinfulness and the amount that she owed affected her worship and her posture that day as she lay at his feet. It's dangerous when we have the wrong perspective about our sin like Simon did. When we begin to compare ourselves with ourselves. That's not wise. We think more highly than we should of ourselves. We put others lower. We trap ourselves in a self-centered cycle of pitting merits of ourselves against the merits of others. And it becomes easy to forget what Jesus has done in our lives. To be prideful regarding the works of our hands comes at the expense of Jesus' finished work on Calvary. Simon must have thought that God barely had to lift a finger to save him from sin. He didn't consider himself a sinner, but that day he forgot one thing, and that thing is found in verse 47. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, and that's why she loved so much. But the one who is forgiven a little loves a little. How you view your debt is so important. If we view God's redemptive work in our life as a small thing, then our view of God will be limited, distorted, become prideful and arrogant. And how we frame what God has done with our debt makes all the difference. Is it a small thing? Is it something that happened because of what I've done with my works and merits? No. It's impossible without the love of a saver that came and he poured out his blood so that you and I might have life more abundantly. 
And as long as we are living, as long as there's flesh on these bones, I need an ever-present Savior. I can't judge others because that affects my ability to love God. So I have one question as I close and we stand tonight. Do we want to love him a little like Simon did? Or do we want to love him a lot like that woman did? And I believe there is a generation of young people here tonight that are hungry to have communion, to pour out your sacrifices of praise and worship, and for God to respond in a supernatural way. Never losing sight of the fact that he's done it all. It was him. I was a wretch undone. I had no business in the presence of the Savior, but he loved me enough to come down and to take away my burdens and to take away my shame. And he went to the cross to die a wretched death for me and my mistakes. He loved me anyway, and he chose me anyway, and his mercies are new every morning. So as we transition to the next phase, I wonder if we could just take a moment and thank him for that finished work of Calvary. Thank him that he, his blood is enough to cover a multitude of sins. Why don't you just lift him up right now? Lord, we thank you for taking away the burden of sin. We thank you for ministering to our needs and our hurts. And we want to be focused on you and your sacrifice.